leave me to. <laughs> one of these days, man. It's going to be one days. of us. Uh, I have a nice update, which is that I got the renewals for the meds that I need. Um, Yay. I, so I was able to pick them up yesterday. And I am so glad because I am so tired of being this fucking irritable. Um, <laughs> like, just That's constantly. Fair. So... Yay! Uh, we love that. We love positive momentum in managing healthcare, One, one's own healthcare. So um, exciting! Good. Yeah. I also start my ADHD screening on Monday, which is an incredibly fast turnaround. Honestly, mm-hmm. like some Great. people have had to wait, 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 have had to wait, have had to have wait, had to wait wakes. Yeah, wheat mm-hmm. wakes. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to wait weeks and weeks and weeks for an, a, like a screening appointment to open up. So I think I got really lucky, but good. Yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, I, my, I guess my like only like update is that I'm doing much better mentally than I have been the last several weeks. <laughs> I love that for you. I'm sure um, like the move being like literally here days away. basically yeah. is yeah, as we're recording, so by the time this comes out, I will be moved into my house. But mm-hmm. um, as we're recording, it's only a couple days away, and um, I'm feeling a lot better about a lot of things. We like there were like you know a few things we needed to shop for that we got out of the way, and like I'm just feeling so much better. It yeah. also helps that I'm not on my period anymore. <laughs> oh God, yeah. So. One of the prescriptions that I needed refilled was my birth control. Mm. And I sent in the prescription refill request. And the doctor's office that I see for like my OB Mm -hmm. was like, "Um, it's our policy that we won't renew this prescription for you until you come in for an appointment. And I was like, yeah, but I'm out. And like, right. The reason that I'm on it is that I need it every single day, not like sometimes and me not having it causes excruciating pain so can we we please (laughs) uh but then at at my doctor's appointment for like getting the process of the adhd screening scheduled i was like hey because i was just seeing my regular primary care doctor Mm -hmm. i was like hey dr katrina um this is what's happening with my birth control and i just really need it and i'm out can you help and she's like oh yeah, I I prescribe birth control all day, every day. You don't need yeah. to go see them. We're just going to take over that prescription for you. It's like, great. Thank you. Well, so that's been like a thing that a lot of people who are on birth control have been dealing with um, is whether it's their like gynecologist's office or whether it's like the pharmacy that they go to. Um, a lot of people have been issue- having issues with them being like, um, yeah, recently, I mean, like because of the overturn of Roe v. Wade and everything Mm -hmm. since then it's like yeah our policies have been changed so every time you need a refill you have to come in and it's like no that's not plausible I don't know absolutely not well and it wasn't it's like to renew the prescription so like I get a year's worth of refills um every time it's renewed but then like they were like yeah every time you need a renew for the prescription then you have to come back in and I'm like I that's so annoying and also like i'll let you know if i'm not feeling fine 
Like if there's right. something wrong that needs to be dealt with, I'll let you know and I'll come in then, but I don't need to see you right. if everything's being managed in well, terms like, of my like chronic condition. So Right. And it's not like you haven't seen a doctor in recent months. Uh, right. Like, it's not it's, like it's not like it's been years since you've seen a doctor and they're like, no, we really just need you to come in so we can like check on it or whatever. Or like the very least they could do is be like, yeah, we'll renew your prescription, but we do request that you come in like sooner rather than later so we can like just do like a a, a regular checkup just to see how things are going or whatever. Like anything like that's fine, but just being like, no, we can't give that to you until the, you come in is like uh, the best part is, oh my god, this is insane. So while I was in the doctor's office for uh, the ADHD stuff, um, and I had asked Dr. Foster um, or Dr. Katrina, I guess her her last name changed, so we just agreed I'm calling her Dr. Katrina. Great. Um, we uh, were talking about that, and I got a phone call from my healthcare provider from the other office where my OB is. And they were like, yeah, we're going to need to reschedule your appointment. They like left me a voicemail and I was like, okay. And then I'd asked Dr. Katrina about it. So I was like, I'm just going to cancel this appointment right now. I don't need to go anymore because I got what I needed. Mm -hmm. And then the follow-up message was, uh, we see that you got your prescription refilled um, during your recent visit. And we see um, that everything should be fine now. So or that you canceled your appointment. So we're just going to go ahead and say you're good to go. Um, doctor, I am. <laughs> the, the doctor that you were scheduled to see doesn't usually see p- patients for annual exams anyway. And I was like, then why the fuck did Super. I need to come in for a renewal? I yeah. don't get it. You are making literally no sense right now. Um, thanks. Glad it's, I got what I needed. <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> hmm it's super dumb yeah um do you want to do a shot with me yeah okay i'm not drinking anything else today because i do feel like i went kind of hard today but i'll do the shots not hard today (laughs) hard lately okay not today um that's fine i'm just taking like um half a shot for each shot because i'm also gonna drink something that's very high alcohol smart okay uh cheers Thanks. Cheers. How do you just look me straight in the eyeballs while I did that? Like, are, are you, you sure? judging me? Are you sure? Are you judging okay, me? Okay, I'm fine. Okay. Amazing. Um, I yeah. Speaking what? of the pets, I made a radical decision today, which is that neither of them are put away anywhere. Mm. Um, I have the door set so that Loki shouldn't be able to like close it on himself and then freak out. Mm-hmm. But then I fed them both mm-hmm. right before we started recording, and oh, I'm so hoping take naps. I'm hoping they're just gonna be chill. Nice. That's what I want. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, hi, I'm Mari. I'm Caitlin. This is Alcohol and Anecdotes. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> this is the podcast where we talk about our personal problems. For the first 20 minutes and then maybe get into other interesting things. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have any other updates. My life is just like kind of in limbo right now. And like I said, I'm feeling a lot better mentally, which is like super great. Um, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's good. Life's good. It's good. It's good. 
I also am feeling a little bit more optimistic than I was three days ago when we last recorded. So <laughs> good. <sighs> you know, I'm glad. Just take some time. I'm glad to hear that. Um. Yeah. Anyway, what are you drinking over there today? Um. Today we are going to be talking about barley wine. Barley wine. Um, which is a beer. I haven't done a beer in a while. <laughs> wow. That's shocking. Um, yeah, I kind of took like a little bit of a break from them, I guess. And then uh, uh, I was doing the research on this today and I was like, man, why haven't I done one in so long? Because I forgot how much fun it is to read about beer for me. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of where your passion lies, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I had quite a few sources for today. Uh, Anchorbrewing.com, winemeg.com, beeradvocate.com, beerology by Marilla Amato. The Complete Beer Course by Joshua M. Bernstein and the Saber Podcast. Hattie says hi. Hi, Hattie. She's like, why are you talking and not talking to me? We could be playing. Honey, I am doing a thing. I love you so much, but you do need to get down. <laughs> okay. What a sweetie pie. She is adorable. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the the term barley wine dates back to like ancient Greece, possibly, but it wasn't really given a uh, like definition until the early 1800s. English brewers began making ma- began making beers that like mimicked the alcohol levels of wine. Um, this was supposedly maybe because they were trying to compete with wine. Um, they're like, we want our own thing and we don't really make wine here. So we need to make something that's kind of similar. What? Uh, England isn't a climate that's super hospitable <laughs> to grapevines? No. It's not the perfectly amount of too wet for grapes? I mean, some probably. <laughs> Man, with as much as it rains in England, I can't imagine grapes really thriving. No. Probably not. Um, so these beers were typically brewed for specific occasions. They're like strong ales that were often barrel aged and the resulting what they called old ales would sometimes be blended with um, English bitter ales, which were like usually lower ABV and relatively cheap. So like by combining and blending the two, it was a great way to kind of like level out the extra rich and high alcohol old ales. Um, another way of achieving this blend is called party guile brewing, where two brews are made with the same mash. So the first, um, is like run over the malt bill. Um, it ends up being stronger and richer cause it gets like a lot of the malt sugars. And then the second is more diluted is like a more diluted version of the first. So like, basically if you think about like brewing a pot of coffee, um, you brew your pot, and then you can brew over those same grinds a second time, but it's going to be a lot more diluted. You're not going to get as much of like the robustness as you would in the first batch. Sure. Got it. Um, and then, so sometimes these beers were kept separate and like, it was like a, a weaker version of the first one, or in the case of like these like old ales, these barley wines, they were combining them later in the brewing process to blend. Mm, okay. 
So the the resulting beers from these blends was what we now call a barley wine. Uh, The goal is like a very rich, heavy beer that is malt forward, hop balanced, and between 8 and 12% ABV. The first brewery to commercially market a barley wine was Bass and Company Brewing. They're then they named their strong ale Bass Number One Barley Wine, which started the trend of British breweries giving the same style name to their strongest ales as well. I do have um, a Bass Number One advertisement in the uh, drive, which I will make sure to put on the website. Patty is using my hand as a chew toy right now, so <laughs> I will look at it in a minute. Um. So Bass went on to call their barley wine a, quote, royal tonic. Uh, they claimed that, or like, yeah, basically it was, it started to be used in like, excuse me, let me rephrase this. Basically, it was put into like medicinal brochures as like being able to like to aid nursing mothers, insomnia, indigestion, and anemia. So basically, it was like, here, just drink this, like, a 10% beer, and you'll be fine. The cure-all for everything, obviously. And for everything. It cures things, not in that those problems go away. You just stop caring about them. <laughs> well, I'm sure that if I was, um, you know, a, a, a fresh mother, that drinking some beer would relax me enough to not be so stressed out and be able to lactate, Yes. Not to mention your baby would just be drunk all the time. Yeah. So they probably crying. also probably wouldn't give a shit. Don't give your babies beer. <laughs> Don't do that. It's but, not wise. But. It's not medically advised. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Tax on alcohol content and expensive malt bills diminished the popularity of barley wines in Britain. Basically, they just became like too too costly so died down a lot we didn't really see a lot of the style Um, but eventually america sort of revitalized the style in 1975 anchor brewing company in california released old foghorn using massive amounts of american hops in this case cascade uh, but keeping the tradition of a very large malt bill the brewery created an americanized version of the english barley wine um so super malt forward high abv but really bitter like a triple ipa which isn't really typically something that's seen in like malt forward beers Hmm. um many other breweries in the states began utilizing this like distinct beer style using like those west coast hops um and they just really weren't afraid of trying to like Pour massive amounts of malt and hops into a snifter-sized glass. Um, brewers like Sierra Nevada uh, Brewing Company um, made, or sorry, so Sierra Nevada made their Bigfoot Ale not long after, which is still being produced. Um, and then, like another really notable one is Bell's Third Coast Ale, that you can find pretty regularly in the U.S. And that's just, like just two of, of so many. Um, so just got a couple of like fun facts for you. Um, sometimes in party guile brewing, a third beer, beer 
could be made if there was enough residual sugar. And it was just called small. Um, okay. <laughs> I just thought it was so cute. Also, this I is- can't I can't get over the phrase party guile brewing. Yeah. Like it sounds like there's disco balls involved. There probably was. I mean, it's not spelled <laughs> like that, but there probably was. Um, when barley wines were first introduced, brewers kept trying to like amp up the alcohol content, essentially to try and like compete with wines and, and other breweries. And in order to like wake up the drunken yeast, because like once it goes through its first fermentation, the yeast just like basically falls out and doesn't do anything more. So they would roll the barrels around on the floor or sometimes even pump oxygen into the barrel, which would just be like, like, just like shaking the yeast awake <laughs> and wow. put those tiny little microbes back to work. <laughs> oh my God. I so, didn't know that was a thing. Um, yeah. Now it's, I'm like envisioning like me just like as a little yeast, just like asleep in my bed, just like cozy, nice full belly, just really relaxed. And then all of a sudden, my bed just starts to violently shake. And someone's pouring cold water on your face. <laughs> oh, my God. I would I would not be happy uh, with that. No, as, but then you'd get up little... and you'd get up and drink. <laughs> yeah, I Which would is basically probably. what they did. Well, they just ate all the sugar and then pooped out the, the CO2. But <laughs> uh, same thing. So that's right. Beer. Uh, alcohol is uh is yeast, yeast poop. poop it is um so barley wines go by many names including strong ales stock ales old ales winter warmers and more commonly um in like the the 1800s and early 1900s their barrels were simply marked with x's so the more x's on a barrel the more alcohol was inside and this is why in cartoons we would see like alcohol bottles and barrels with X's on them. It's not because it contained adult content. It's because it was showing how much, how much like high the alcohol content was. And I do have a picture of like a cartoon. I was wondering that what that was. <laughs> <laughs> but you remember that like, like Looney Tunes, like old Saturday morning cartoons and stuff. They'd have just like bottles with like XXX on them. And like, we knew that they were alcohol, but it just meant that they were very alcoholic. <laughs> So interesting. Um, Good to then, know. <laughs> I don't know. I thought I found it was really funny. I was like, that explains so much. Um, so there's not really a standard definition for a barley wine. They just have to be very malt forward and boozy. Malted rye can be used to encourage spicy flavors and smoked malt can add its own distinctive flavor as well. Even the yeast doesn't necessarily have to be the same across the board. Some breweries have used Belgian yeasts, which lend like a distinctive banana flavor and like really complement the toffee notes. So there's like no definition, just really malty, really boozy, and there has to be hot balance. Huh. Okay. So like, yeah, I mean, like the only thing that's separating them from, well, especially American barley ones, the only thing that's separating them from being a triple IPA is the fact that they have more malt interesting yeah um so i think that these stats came from the beer judge certification program 
um, or something similar to that. So for an English barley wine, the color can range from like a deep gold to dark amber or even like a really deep brown. The aroma is typically going to consist of mar malt, caramel, or dark fruits. And then the flavor will have like malt, malt flavors like maybe toast, caramel, or toffee. Um, they're usually pretty sweet, possibly dry. And then there is like an alcohol flavor present, but it's not like harsh. They're also typically about 8 to 12 percent. Um, and standard is about 35 to 70 IBUs, but that's I don't know. IBUs is a weird system. What? <laughs> We've Have never we talked, talked about... about that before. Yeah, okay. Uh yeah. Um, so then American barley wines are gonna range from like very light amber to copper, um, maybe even brown with like red highlights. Uh, the aroma is typically like a very rich malt with a really aggressive hop character, especially depending on the hops used, which American barley wines typically use those West Coast um, hops, like I said. And then the flavor is usually very rich, sweet malt with a definitely noticeable bit bitterness. Um, the, the hop flavor in an American barley wine should be stronger than the malt. Um, again, about 8 to 12% ABV, and then the IBUs are significantly higher from like 50 to 120. Hmm. Um, I have some really fun pairings for us today. <coughs> pairings. <coughs> pairings! I don't... That's my favorite one. I think I Great. say that every week, but they just keep getting better. Thanks. <laughs> Like you're like I know you're like not prepared for it, but like I think you kind of are prepared for it, you know. So you're like I got like in the back of your mind, you're like I got one on myself from the last time. I mean, maybe it's subconscious. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> consciously planning any no. of this. No. Uh, okay, so they're gonna pair really well with rich flavors, much like a port wine or like a sherry. For the most part, probably should try and stay away from main dishes because it'll likely overpower the flavors in the dish. Um, it doesn't mean it's impossible to pair it with main dishes, just probably not the best idea. Instead, like opt for uh, pairing it with cheese and dessert. Um, so strong cheeses are going to work really well. Grab a Stilton, blue cheese, gorgonzola, uh, gouda, anything that has a lot of flavor is going to pair all really nice with a barley wine. Um, and then, I don't know, keep the charcuterie going, uh, grab salted nuts, maybe walnuts or pecans and cured meats like ham, pastrami, bacon, salami. They're all going to work really well. You can also add like some tart cherries and like, like flavor rich crackers. I love so that. if you've got like, oh yeah, like really briny olives too. Like if you've got like a bunch of like really flavor packed stuff that you want to put on a charcuterie board this is going to be a really nice beer to have with it i wish i had one for the mini charcuterie board i made right before we recorded um i they had spicy pickles and some excellent yeah. salami and some aged cheddar and some garlic and herb goat cheese yum 
and other than the fact that i don't want to be eating on the podcast i wish that i just had a charcuterie board whenever we record it because i always end up talking about them i mean like they they're so expansive you could pair them with literally anything you just change what's on the board but like i just wish right. i had one every single time i know it, they're so good so good Vernon and i for like a little while we're like buying like stuff for charcuterie boards every week and then we like stopped i mean we've been super busy but like i gotta go back to doing that because it was awesome yeah i like didn't have any like conscious plans to buy stuff for a charcuterie board um but again your subconscious was like i know what i'm doing don't you worry yeah but then but then i saw these crackers this is how it started i saw these crackers that i really wanted but i was like i'm not gonna just eat the crackers that's weird it was boring maybe i could make myself a charcuterie board that would be nice and then there was like this nice salami that was on sale at target and i was like sick i'll take it and then i just like grabbed some stuff excellent and uh, i have these like famous dave's pickles that are really spicy and some jalapeno Mm -hmm. olives in my Mm -hmm. fridge so it was fine the grillo's pickles at target so good phenomenal the spicy flavor i mean all the flavors are amazing but the spicy flavor is like perfect it's not like super spicy but so tasty (laughs) um okay so then lastly for these i did say dessert earlier so we'll wrap it up with a couple desserts any really rich sweet dessert that you don't really know what else to pair it with this is going to be like perfect for it uh think like chocolate tort or toffee caramel cheesecake um just yeah those things that like you're like what could i possibly drink with this some barley wine is gonna is gonna make it happen i those are my favorite kind of desserts or the ones that are just like just like a hair close to being too much yeah you know i really like it because like so i'm a big fan of like i call it like the savory sweets so like caramels toffees chocolates like those are like my favorite kind of dessert flavors i'm Mm -hmm. not a big fan of fruit things i don't mind them but not really my vibe so and something that's going to pair really well with those kinds of flavors is like really great for me and like yes a barley wine is going to be able to hold up and they're not like they don't compete on richness they just both have enough richness that one's not beating out the other yeah um okay so (sighs) For like what I am drinking today, I'm going to talk about two beers um, because the one that I ended up picking isn't technically a barley wine and I'll explain why I chose it, um, but I didn't really feel like going to the store to get something else. So I was like, I'll roll with this. <laughs> um, got it. You'll, you'll understand. So uh, I've got the Firestone Walkers 24th anniversary blend. Um, there's a picture of it on the drive if you would like to look at it, Mari. Um, so they blended six of their barrel-aged beers to create this. This is their 2020 anniversary blend. Um, when they do these blends every year, they invite local winemakers to help them blend their perfect anniversary beer. Because, I mean, like, wine mar- winemakers are master blenders. So who else? Right, yeah. Um, this one is 11.3% ABV, 29 IBU. Um, it is a deep dark brown. The website says, quote, select lots of Parabola, Walker's Reserve, Sticky Monkey, Velvet Merkin, 
Bravo and Tequila Hell Dorado, which are all beers, combined to make to combine to deliver dark intensity with notes of rich roasted malt character, mellow s'more like flavors of dark chocolate and vanilla and graham with hints of caramel pecan. Um, oh, so that the, sounds so good. <laughs> it is really tasty. Oh my god. Um, so the reason I picked it is because they for their blend they use some of their tequila Helderado barley wine um in it mm, like i said okay. i didn't want to go to the store so this is the closest thing i had to a barley <laughs> wine um i mean i feel like it fits the vibe it blend does. of things it uh, does. heavy uh hitter in terms right. of the uh IB, not it IBs, checks ABD. all the boxes yes um the only thing is, like, it's not super malt forward, but that's because there are, like, a bunch of stouts in the blend, and mm-hmm. stouts don't typically have a lot of hops. Uh, so, the Tequila Barrel Helderado is a blonde barley wine that's aged in tequila barrels. Uh, it is 11.5% ABV. Very deep golden color, thanks to the English and American pale malts. There are notes of bread, wildflower honey, vanilla, and coconut. Um, that are balanced out with like rich bourbon glazed graham cracker, according to the site. Um, there's also some like raisin notes, creme brulee, a bit of astringency, and um, it has like a, a milk chocolatey sort of mouthfeel. So, like, really creamy mouthfeel. Mm. Um, yeah. So, like I said, I'm not drinking the Helderado barley wine. I'm drinking the 24th anniversary, which has the Helderado barley wine in it. Um, it is super good. I really like Firestone Walker. I've never been disappointed by a beer from them. Um, it was also really fun because I think I got, I think I got this bottle in a Tavor box. Um, and it came like, it comes in a box and then it also comes with like literature, <laughs> oh wow back so it's like (laughs) notes from (laughs) it's like notes from the blender note from notes from the brewmaster talks about the blend um and then it talks a little bit about all like all of the beers that they used in it so the tequila barrel Helderado does is does only make up four percent of the blend um so i couldn't really like i can't really necessarily like pick that up out of all of it but Mm -hmm. This this beer does taste like they say, maybe a little bit of s'mores, dark chocolate, graham cracker, caramel pecan. Um, it's like really rich, really sweet, um, but not like not overly so. I'm not like overwhelmed by the sweetness. Like this is a twelve ounce bottle, and I I could drink it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know that I should because it's eleven point three percent, but I could um yeah it's it's really tasty really satisfying i can absolutely see eating this with dessert or a charcuterie board much the same as with a barley wine um really uh really great head retention um considering it's like three years old now or like two and a half years old i think from from when it was blended so it's even older than that because they're all aged in the um most of them aged in bourbon barrels and one aged in tequila barrels. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, probably about three year or four or five years old. Oh. Uh, I I think it's really fucking tasty. I am jealous. Very jealous. 
Um, yeah. The other reason that I chose it is because it's, yeah, I mean, I've been sitting on it for a couple of years and, um, I've been doing a great job lately. So <laughs> this is my, this is how I'm treating myself. Your treat. Yeah. Yeah. I did good job. I did good job. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's really good. And like, so especially dark beers like this, you you want them to like warm up a little bit. Um, I pulled it out of the fridge, like pretty much right before we started podcasting. But um, I mean, it's been like, I don't know what, 20, 30 minutes since we got started and it started mm-hmm. to warm up a little bit. And like, I can definitely taste the differences as it's starting to like uh, get closer to room temperature. Yeah. So satisfying. <sighs> Just like watching you drink it, I'm like feeling the like greenest of envies. It looks um, so good. You know, that's why I miss recording together. I mean, recording remote is so nice and so convenient, but I miss recording together because then we could actually drink the things together. <laughs> I know, yeah. I was thinking about that. Um, but it is nice that we don't have to worry about a drinking and driving element. So right. right. Much preferred. Yeah. Once a, once I have a yard and we know for sure that Hattie and Jax get along, then you can just come over and record and just stay over because we'll have a spare bed. Yeah, that sounds great. We'll record. The dogs will hang out and then you can just sleep there. Not yeah, have to drive I anywhere. know. They'll tire each other out. So it'll yes. be fine. Yes. They will be so crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's Barley Wines, baby. Oh man, I I wish I were drinking now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm also trying to take it a little easy. I've also been going a little too hard. And I I just like, I was like, I've been drunk like twice a week for the last like three weeks or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. not just like where I've had like one drink, but like where I've had many and like. Yep. wake up feeling a little bit gross and I was like I should lay off a little bit so yeah I am laying Yay. off perfect yeah uh with that I think let's take an ad break great great welcome back hello uh Mari what do you have for us today well wait do you want to do a shot oh god <laughs> Thank you for prompting me. Well, during but... the ad break, we just talked for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and so then I like completely forgot about anything that we were actually supposed to be doing. <laughs> That's all good. Yes, I'd love to take a shot. Okay. You have to do the cheers because I have a plastic bottle. Okay. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Hello, Hattie. Can I help you? I know. Go lay down. You were being so good until right now. Okay. Anyway. Okay, Mari, what do you have for us? For real this time. <laughs> for real, real. Uh, yeah, I have, I have a story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> surprise. I came prepared for once. Great. Sort Great. of. Sort of. Uh, in true Mari fashion, my I start out with notes really well, and then I just decided to stop and hope that it all stayed up in my noggin. It's fine. 
got halfway through my notes and was like, eh, I hope it all stuck because I'm tired of writing. So, yeah, I have a story. I go so off the rails when I don't have notes. So, <laughs> so do I, but it's part of the fun. It's Here fun. we are. It's part of the plot. <laughs> Great. <laughs> all right. All right. So in the 1800s in the UK, there was this really notorious bad guy who tormented the people of England and had them living in fear. I wonder who it was. He was the subject of constant speculation and he whipped the media into a frenzy every time there was a new attack to report. He seemed to target women and the descriptions of who he was or where he came from varied widely. Some believed he might be a wealthy aristocrat. He was variously called a devil, a fiend, or a demon. Mm-hmm. I am, of course, talking about a guy named Jack. Springheeled Jack, that is. Hey. <laughs> um, I bet you thought I was talking about a different Jack, but it's okay. Truth be I told. Was just- I was just trying to come up with like uh, some random person to say that that's who you're talking about. <laughs> and I just couldn't come up with anything. So mostly I'm just laughing at myself <laughs> for not having a brain. It's okay. I very intentionally wrote that to be like. To sound like Jack the Ripper? Yeah. But it's not Jack the Ripper. But it's not Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Surprise! It's Jokes Jack. on all of us. <laughs> yep. Um, so. Well, that's so, kind of more exciting. I know. Um, so I I was tempted to do Jack the Ripper, but here's the thing. I feel like everyone who wants to know anything about Jack the Ripper has read about Jack the Ripper. And it was so long ago that, that if you've read anything about it, you know everything there is to know. Right. So like, it's there's not a lot of surprises left right. there. Right. And uh, Jack the Ripper has kind of been... Overdone. done and overdone and overdone mm-hmm. uh and i only want to do that once every so often so sure i'm gonna limit it sure. anyway so we're gonna talk about spring-heeled jack um hey. chances are you've either heard of him or like heard the name or you've seen depictions of him and now you can open the folder with all the pictures in it now that i have spoiled who i'm talking about <laughs> i didn't i didn't want you to spoil it for yourself um, oh my god, you're saying spring healed. Yeah. I thought you were saying spring field, like oh. the California no. town. <laughs> no, spring healed Jack. That <laughs> makes more sense. Well, it doesn't, but well, it sort of does in that I'm not talking about the town in California while also talking about the UK at the same well, time. Well, no, I, okay, no, I knew you were talking <laughs> about the UK, but I thought you were saying spring field. Yeah. And I don't know, this, I guess, makes a different picture in my head. It literally means nothing to me yet. It doesn't even matter. I'm just rambling. Okay. Okay, great, <laughs> great. Love that. Okay. Oh, so, I mean, you still have probably seen pictures of of him even if you don't realize that you have he's a pretty common depiction he's uh and of course pictures will be on the website alcoholandanecdotes.com uh he's often depicted as this devilish looking guy amazing often wearing a cape that like is like scalped at the end and kind of looks like a bat cape it's giving very real batman vibes yeah 
but he also has like these horns on top of his head and he is almost always depicted as or described as wearing skin tight clothing which in the victorian era england the scandal so um (laughs) you mean i can see your figure gross (laughs) i know the shape of your body gasp (laughs) (laughs) don't make me gag (laughs) oh my god okay so spring hill jack like starts out as this like kind of bizarre story in I already know that I would name this episode I can see the shape of your body sorry anyways <laughs> amazing okay. Okay. Um, all right so it starts out in 1837 it should be noted possibly rooted in stories about this mystery assailant in the countryside um, starting in the 1820s but the first one that we can for sure tie to what becomes spring-heeled jack is in 1837 this girl named mary stevens was walking through a place called lavender hill um and she is approached by a strange figure um he like holds like grabs hold of her and like some sources say that he began to kiss her some don't i'm not sure uh but then he had these like claws or talons attached to his hands that like he used to rip at her clothing yeah maybe he just had really long nails i mean maybe gross all around either way (laughs) um and she screamed out and he made a run for it neighbors or like people in the area like came out to see what the ruckus was about and like they did a tentative search but couldn't find him the next day there's another instance in this uh same area as where mary stevens lived um and this is where we kind of get the first indication of him not being like a normal human if that makes sense um you'll see okay so uh again someone uh this man jumps out but instead of like jumping out of nowhere and attacking a person he jumps into the road uh in front of a passing carriage and um the coach like loses control the driver is injured and the man who had jumped into the road is said to have like made a run for it again this time they say that he jumped over a nine foot wall Uh, wow man's got hops um and Dunkin that... on him. <laughs> sorry uh and that is like the start of this very slippery slope of what becomes 
uh, spring heeled Jack. So a lot of the people that claim to up until um, like throughout 19 or no, 1837, who claim to have interactions with this mystery assailant uh, were like mostly women who were from the lower class. So it wasn't taken seriously for a long time. Of course not. Of course not. Um, why would it be? They but aren't real people. Ugh. No, they're just cogs and machine, obviously. Um, this is, mind you, the Industrial Revolution, where a lot of people from the lower classes were feeling like cogs and machines. So um, not surprising at all. But eventually, someone writes a letter to the Lord Mayor of London and he decides to make this letter public and respond to it. So the letter, um, which is signed anonymously, just as um, like from a resident of Peckham, which is an area of London. And it says, um, it appears that some individuals of, as this writer believes, the highest ranks of life have laid a wager with a mischievous and foolhardy companion that he durst not take upon himself the task of visiting many of the villages near London in three different guises, a ghost, a bear, and a devil. And moreover, that he will not enter a gentleman's gardens for the purposes of alarming the inmates of the house. The wager has, however been accepted and the unmanly villain has succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses two of whom are not likely to recover but to become burdens to their families translation uh for those who are not well acquainted with 1830s uh vernacular is that there's this uh the, the, the writer of this is basically putting forward this idea that some aristocratic dudes decided to like place a bet on like, I bet you couldn't pull this wager or pull this prank or whatever. And they're dressing up as a ghost, a bear and a devil. They're like, cause, and we'll talk about it in a second. Um, this mystery assailant is described in a lot of different ways. Um, and basically saying that the dare was to sneak up on and scare the living daylights out of women and see if they could get away with it without getting caught Mm -hmm. is what this person is like saying. So, um, to go back to the different disguises, um, Sometimes Springheel Jack is described as um, being like ghostly pale, wearing a mask and um, like wearing um, like, I forget what it was called, like oil cloth or, or oil skin or something like the skin tight situation that sailors were typically known for wearing Mm -hmm. sometimes he was described as wearing um bear skin so 
like literally dressed in like a bear's fur mm-hmm. um, to look more menacing and other times dressed as you like as has become the common depiction of it with like the cape and the horns and looking devilish mm-hmm. um so this is like the predominant theory that adds um some legitimacy to what has been otherwise a very random seeming selection of mysterious phenomenon or sightings or attacks or whatever are you cold now no my blanket was stuck under my chair oh no this is annoying (laughs) i couldn't move around okay got it got it got it um (laughs) great um so basically the author of this letter writes to the mayor and is like um there's this shit going on and how dare nobody even acknowledge it and then the mayor releases a statement about like oh okay well someone is like putting forth this theory and it adds legitimacy because the mayor has spoken out about what's happening so all of a sudden everyone believes that this is real um so the newspapers start reporting it i have in that folder uh like a a picture of one of the newspaper articles Mm -hmm. that goes over this letter um and talks about it and from that point forward the media kind of grab onto this guy um first he's called steel as you do when you have nothing else to talk about Right. Um, he's first called Steel Jack because um, he's like in some descriptions, he's wearing like steel toed shoes um, or he is wearing like armor, apparently, which makes no sense if you're trying to like make a quick getaway, but okay. Yeah, and not if you're jumping over nine foot walls. Right. And then. Um, Someone else takes to calling him Spring Jack um, because it's like he has springs in his shoes. Mm -hmm. And then eventually people start taking that literally instead of figuratively and think that he's literally wearing shoes with springs in the heels. So then he becomes Spring Heeled Jack. uh, And that's the name that sticks. I do like the photo where you could see the springs in his in his heels the drying um yeah which one is that i don't i can't even remember the yellow one yep mhm yep it's funny that is <laughs> um there's like and this is like uh we'll get to it in a minute but there's so many just like absolutely comical depictions of him um okay so There are two major cases that come forward that add to the fervor around the Spring-Heeled Jack phenomenon. The first is the story of this woman named Jane Alsop. Now, Jane um, is by and large considered to be a reliable sound witness and 
Um, most of what she claims is backed up by her family and her neighbors. So I, I say most, but not all. Well, <laughs> um, she's a woman. You can't you can't trust everything. Well, you just buckle up because it's about to get weird. <laughs> so this is Jane's story. She was at her family's home one day. Um, it was in the evening. And she hears someone at the door. So she goes to the door. She hears them say, um, we've caught Spring-Heeled Jack here in the lane. Basically, like, bring a candle and come with me. She goes and gets a candle. She opens the door. She sees this person standing outside in a large cloak, seemingly claiming to be a police officer, which never trust a fucking cop. And... Uh, the moment she hands him the candle, he throws off the cloak and, quote, presented a most hideous and frightful appearance. I shit you not, they say vomiting blue and white flame from his mouth and his eyes resembled red balls of fire. <laughs> he grabs a hold of uh, Miss Alsop and uh, begins tearing at her gown with his claws that she said were of some metallic substance. So they were like made of metal. And she screamed for help and managed to get away from him. Um, They had, so they, like she had done what he'd asked originally because he was claiming to be a police officer, which was like walk behind him uh, outside a little bit when she handed him the candle and this all transpired. So she wasn't in the house anymore. So she manages to get away from him and run back toward her house. And at this point, the ruckus has caught the attention of one of her sisters who comes out to the door and the assailant, seeing that there's now a witness, makes a run for it. There's not anything mentioned in this story about him jumping over a nine foot wall. Uh, but they like, she has like these claw marks. Um, on her arms and her neck and her like clothing is torn and it's even said that like parts of her hair were ripped out sounds not ideal dang yeah um but of course there's not any like solid evidence as to who this was or what happened that case doesn't make it very far and A whopping, what would that be, nine days later on February 28th, 1838, there's another instance of of Spring-Heeled Jack attacking a woman. In this one, uh, 18-year-old Lucy Scales and her sister were walking home, and um, they uh, passed, or were like, walking down this alley called green dragon alley which honestly what a name (laughs) and iconic honestly truly honestly like couldn't think of a better alley name to be fair um they saw a person further down the alley standing there and lucy's walking in front of her sister at the time and as they approach the person he spurts out a quantity of blue flame from his face, which then deprived her of sight. 
And she was so alarmed that she instantly dropped to the ground and was see, uh, seized by violent fits, which continued for several hours. So she um, had a seizure. Right. Great. Um, <laughs> not great. But... No, uh, no not, not even a little bit great. <laughs> um, perhaps the most outlandish part of this, obviously, is someone spewing blue flames from their face. Um, fire breathing's not generally considered to be a human um element that we oftentimes are capable of so times occasionally but oftentimes no nah, no i think i forgot words for a second so i was just like <laughs> rambling to try and get to what i was trying to say uh, <laughs> there was a more succinct way of saying that and i couldn't think of it so um <laughs> So only time flames comes out is when we eat Taco Bell. Uh, and it may or may not be from our mouths. So. Yep. <laughs> so at this point, the media is well and truly like just like eating this up as we know they do with like all things like ghoulish and unsolved. And it's at this point that spring jack officially gets his name in uh like march ish of 1838 um he is given the name spring jack by the london labor and the london poor which is a publication uh, by a writer named henry mayhew um so at this point spring jack sightings become rather commonplace it's like one of those things where like you either claim you saw spring jack or you know someone who's seen spring jack kind of thing um the best explanation for this is that perhaps there was someone who was attacking women and was able to get make a quick getaway which is honestly so plausible um and then it like morphed into this like uh urban legend basically of this villain that like paraded around in a cape and a mask with devil ears and right attacked people and then so you could jump like, glance, so high he could yeah. jump over walls kind of thing and you could like glance down an alleyway and think you saw him or like yeah if, or, like, if anyone attacked you you'd think it was him or like yeah Right. And that other thing then is that you probably get people who are enabled by this, mm-hmm. which like, to be honest, is so likely because when there's a figure who seems to be getting away with assaulting women and the media is reporting on it and reporting about how there have been no consequences for this mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. others feel enabled to take this action upon themselves because they will also not pay consequences. I am, of course, not only talking about spring Jack here, but also the former president of the United States. Gross. Um, um, okay, yes, there's that aspect. I um, <laughs> was thinking a lot more along the lines of like, so I, I really love the idea of like a collective conscience and of like, um if enough people believe in something it like sort of like brings it 
to life yeah. or i mean like it's it's also very much like deity worship you know deities get their power by people worshiping them like things like yes. that or whatever so i the reason that i'm finding this so fascinating is because if with what you were just saying if so many people were talking about it and talking about how there's no consequences that then actual people were like oh this gives me an opportunity to go and wreak some havoc then like it is basically people speaking this into existence right yeah. um but in like a more realistic way not like because i've always thought about it it's like you're bringing like a spirit or like a something into existence and mm-hmm. like no you're just you just talk about it enough that somebody actually goes and does it right and like one of the sources that i read called it um a social delusion and like to some degree that's probably the case but I think that it's closer to the truth that it started out as something that got over exaggerated and then became a little bit delusional but then it reached the point of people feeling enabled Mm -hmm. um so there were like all these copycats who were just kind of like doing whatever they wanted because they felt they could get away with it so they would dress up in a cape and like hide around a corner and all of a sudden oh no that was spring-heeled jack when really it was just your neighbor fred being a fuckhead so right um yeah i like that would probably like be the closest to a rational explanation i could think of for all the different ways that he is described all of the different like mo's that they seem he seemed to have from Mm -hmm. like um like sometimes he jumps over a wall sometimes he doesn't sometimes he you know attacks a woman sometimes he jumps out in front of a stagecoach like Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. um like different things assigning the same identity to everything that's unexplained Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure yeah um so the last reports of spring jack come towards the 1870s and 80s for the most part there was an instance where he um was seen at this uh like military camp in aldershot um and it was so it's this garrison and some it, the story goes that a sentry had like looked into the darkness and per everything we just uh talked about thought he saw a peculiar figure walking towards him mm-hmm. um he like starts to say like hey stop there like show yourself blah 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 and the <laughs> The figure manages to get up to him and slap him in the face ah. several times before the guard decided to shoot <laughs> for whatever reason. Like was... open-handed slap? <laughs> I guess, yeah. It's just so slapped him several times. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop yourself. <laughs> hey, you there. Stop that. Knock that off. <laughs> amazing <laughs> so the guard shoots at him but apparently has absolutely no effect oh he's a stormtrooper uh, oh 
and um <laughs> he just like bounds off with quote-unquote astonishing bounds he just like leaps away on his springy feet <laughs> um <laughs> And then there were some reports of him in the Midlands, so like north of London, basically, Mm. um, during this time as well. Uh, The last known sighting of him was in 1904, uh, known, I say, Mm -hmm. um, in uh, Liverpool. So he kind of made the rounds after becoming very popular in London. Okay, so that is like the briefest of overviews of like Springfield. Now I'm on it, Springfield, <laughs> Springfield Jack. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about like cultural implications of this because, you know, that's what you and I, I feel like, really get into is less about the like, who was he, and more about like the what does this say about the society that, um, He's developed in. Oh my so. god, I'm so sorry. I just realized I'm an idiot. Springfield is not in California. It's the town that Simpsons is in. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Please continue. You could have fooled me. I it just thought- fucking smacked me in the goddamn face. No, Bakersfield is in California. I mean, there might be a town called Springfield, but is it? Is there not a, like a Springfield, Illinois? Maybe I feel like there is. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. It's neither here there nor there because it's not actually a part of the fucking story. Fucking, sorry. That, oh my God. Yeah. Um, it just hit me in the face and I felt like an idiot. So I needed to say something about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so it will come as no surprise to you that at some point in time in our history, someone has put forth the theory that Spring-Heeled Jack was actually an alien. Um, and that's why he could jump so high. Because um, that's a theory we all need all the time. Um, so now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about the fun ones. Um, so the first is that, like, like most generations and regions and whatnot, like, I feel like urban legend boogeymans are pretty common and they say a lot about what the society fears at the time yeah we've talked about this before but the some of the things that spring-heeled jack could um could have manifested in terms of fears during this like time of heavy industrialization in in england um was like uh, the like the what was it like the I forget the name where all the people moved to the cities. Um, I don't know. Anyway, oh, the time no. what there's like a word for it. Someone's screaming it at me right now, but I can't remember. I very succinctly remember learning it in seventh grade U.S. history. So, um, uh, urbanization not quite that but you know same idea no no, i know what you're talking about (laughs) anyway during the industrial revolution obviously there was like urbanization process 
where a lot of people who had lived like nice, peaceful lives out in the country, I presume, uh, moved to the city where there was like more population density and um, in particular, a lot more men working in factories and maybe a little bit more harassment and um, stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. some things that Spring-Heeled Jack could point to in terms of like the zeitgeist of the time and like what they were concerned about was like women being attacked by random strangers, Mm -hmm. which understandable. Um, Also like the fact that he has like these metal claws and just like rips at you, like is that speaking to something about the like industrial revolution and the way um, that it uh, it was Wolverine? That's the answer. Thanks. Um, End of episode. Done. Um, there is also like something to be said for the idea that he just like lurks in dark alleys and like pops out at you, which I feel like is not an unforeign concept for anyone who lives in a densely populated area of like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of d- dark streets, especially cause this wasn't like a time when like their streetlights were particularly effective, um, and all of those kinds of things. So just like a lot of, of stuff like that that I could point to. Mm-hmm. There's also a theory that somewhere tied in with all of this was this man named Henry de la Poor Beresford, who's the third Marquis of Waterford during this time. And he... Marquis? No, Marquis. Marquis is the French spelling and pronunciation. Marquis is the English. Fun fact. It does sound like it's supposed to be a woman's title. It is not. Hmm. It is a men's title. Um, Though Anne Boleyn was the first woman in the history of England to be given a men's title, and she was called Marquis of whatever her Marquis title was. Good for her. Love her, uh, as we talked about. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, the Marquis of Waterford was an Irish nobleman, actually, which at the time was still intricately linked with England. And um, he was known for kind of being a pain in the ass. He was known for drunken brawling, vandalism. Uh, he and his friends would get up to all sorts of shit. And at one time when he got in trouble with the law, they showed up to their like trial or whatever it was wearing bear skins, which like seems to vibe with this general idea that the um, spring heel Jack guy sometimes walks around in a bear skin. So that was one explanation. Um, But again, I think if anything that, probably is just like one more element of this overall idea where it's like not just one explanation it's a variety of things that all came together 
Uh, Springheel Jack was also a really common character in Penny Dreadfuls, which were very common serial publications at the time because mm-hmm. um, they were cheap and easy to read if you were lucky enough to be literate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it just kind of became this like thing for 75 years, basically, where like anything or anyone at any time could be Springheeled Jack. And it was just like a part of the popular zeitgeist um also funnily enough sometimes he was seen as being like this vigilante who somehow defended women or attempted to help women Uh, i'm not going to dig a lot into that because it wasn't like the overarching um storyline here but i think it's kind of funny that he's giving major batman vibes like potentially an aristocrat with a lot of money running around at night in a cape um attacking people when you first brought it up and i looked at the pictures i was wondering if like this is what inspired the batman character i have no idea and another i think it was um things you missed in history class i listened to the their episode about springheeled jack and i think they asked that question too like i wonder how much um this character impacted like batman right um so yeah a lot of crossover there not quite the venn diagram is a circle but close right at least visually (laughs) visually and um yeah i mean if you just if you just change it from him being the one who's attacking women and instead to the one who's rescuing women like there was a story at one point where like i don't i didn't take any notes on this so forgive me but like basically a woman woke up and there was a note by her that said um i'm so sorry i tried to save your father from being murdered earlier tonight but i was unsuccessful sorry basically was the story and like left an x mark to like cut on her arm to let her know that it was him or something i don't know it was very weird (laughs) (laughs) so um what a weirdo yeah the thing with urban legends is like there's there's no consistency with them they are in that way very similar to like ancient myth in that like because of the way they travel by word of mouth and a lot of times most of what like is shared about an urban legend isn't written down anywhere um Mm -hmm. so there's there's not a consistent narrative so it just really depends on what's going on in a community in a region um Mm -hmm. and like how they are able to incorporate a character into their like zeitgeist um I think my favorite part, though, is that at one point they thought he was breathing blue fire at people because, like, that's just a vibe. I don't know. I wish I could breathe fire. I, yeah. Well, I was trying to think of, like, you know, like, how do you, like, debunk that? Like, was there, like, a trick of the light or was there, like, you know, was was this guy actually doing something to make it, like, look like fire was, like, coming out of his face or something? Like right um like blow yeah. torches probably didn't exist back then so it's like not no. really the uh, option that we no. can go with but yeah but, that's yeah. 
the very weird story of an urban legend. I felt like we hadn't done an urban legend in a while. Yeah, so it was very weird. Yeah. Um what a weirdo. I yeah, I mean I'm vibing with these pictures. <laughs> right? Like other than the fact that he was probably like harming women. Uh just yeah, but the his overall aesthetic entertaining. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like I also oh, love that, man. yeah, the orange one where he like jumped, looks like he jumped out a window with a woman and he's yeah. got the goofiest mustache. <laughs> it looks like it's flapping in the wind. <laughs> yes. And, and then the, the mutton chops on, on that man yeah. behind him trying yeah, to fire truly. him. Like- <laughs> truly. What a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a whole vibe. Yeah. What a guy. What a I guy. I mean, not great. Not great, but not a great what? guy, but fascinating. Yeah, and also just just like it's so weird to me that things like this, like he was around for seventy five years and then just was like, oh, we're over that now. We're we're good. We've uh, we've moved on with yeah. life. It's so weird. It is weird. Urban urban legends are weird. Society is weird, man. Truly. Yeah. Well, that was um, fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. Uh any special thanks today, Caitlin? Um thank you to Bass Brewing for coining the term barley wine for a beer. I well, didn't really coin it, but uh for making the first barley wine there you go first official barley wine mm-hmm. um thank you to anchor steam who made the first american barley wine um thank you to these these artists that drew that's Spring-Heel exactly Jack. what i was gonna say too is like i can't thank spring jack but thanks to the artists who turned him into a fucking weird ass looking yeah. man honestly uh, it's a vibe yeah it really feels like this is where batman came from like i don't know but it feels like it yeah um man the way he's always like leaping to like the one where he's like got both knees up in the air yeah what the fuck yeah um (laughs) thanks to firestone walker for this dope beer it was really good yeah um that's it that's all i got i don't have anything more to add okay so um i've got well i've got next week's oh yeah yeah time period close out before you do that (laughs) probably not Hmm. so the the like hint or time period for next week is austria in either the 1850s or the 1950s Cool. Just, I don't know, Austria at some point. Okay, great. Or if you're not having any luck with that, you can also do something uh, in Rome, ancient Rome. Oh, don't tempt me with a good time. So I'll leave that one up to you. Okay, great. Um, yes. But yeah, that's it. So. Sweet. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, fucking cheers, nerds. Cheers, nerds. Goodbye. Okay,
Alcohol and Anecdotes is hosted, produced, and edited by Caitlin Hedberg and Mari Harlow. Our intro and outro music is courtesy of Vanity Plate of Minot, North Dakota. You can visit alcoholandanecdotes.com to find episode content and merch. You can also email us at alcoholandanecdotes at gmail.com or send us a message on Instagram or Facebook at alcoholandanecdotes. You can listen to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow, rate, or review our podcast or subscribe to us on Patreon for additional support and to help keep alcohol and anecdotes going. While we joke about alcohol use and mental health issues as a part of our day-to-day, we know that both can be no laughing matter. If you're struggling with substance abuse or a mental health disorder, please call the SAMHSA National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP for information on local treatment options, support groups, and community-based organizations. Once again, that's 1-800-662-HELP. Thanks for listening. Cheers, nerds. Just fed you.